0: If you die
1: today, will you leave an inheritance or a mess? Inheritance or mess? It's a question that hits home, isn't it? Is estate planning only for riches? Today we have Deepak Jain with us, a renowned wealth management and succession planning expert with 25 plus years of training experience. And he in the next few minutes will reveal the secrets that can turn your legacy into a lasting inheritance. People say it's a taboo. I
0: also find that answer many people. They are superstitious of making a will. They think if I make a will, I'll die early. I can't comment on that part. But uh, I can tell you making a will is neither complex, nor time consuming, not at all expensive. What it requires is just your mindset that I need to do it.
1: Contemplating what happens to our assets after we are gone is not a conversation anyone enjoys. Yet, it's undeniably crucial, for it safeguards not only our hard-earned wealth but also the well-being of our loved ones. However, despite the importance of estate planning, the reality on ground is quite different.
0: A recent survey by Economic Times where they asked various individuals and around 65% of individuals say that their wealth could be a source of conflict for the next generation. There are around 3.5 crore cases which are pending in various courts. And I believe, although there is no specific data for it, majority of them would be property-related disputes which are because of inheritance.
1: As per Economic Times' report, there are around 82,000 crore rupees lying in unclaimed bank accounts, life insurance, mutual funds and PF. Daksh, the NGO that analyzes the performance of judiciary, Reports that property and family disputes account for 76% of court cases. The data clearly highlights the noticeable gap in both awareness and action regarding estate planning among Indian families. This calls for an urgent need for improved understanding and proactive steps in this regard. I'm your host, Ashish Chabla. Welcome to yet another episode of Temperament by One Finance where we explore emotions and biases and their effect. Our aim is to help you avoid costly mistakes by giving you practical financial knowledge that helps you make smarter financial decisions. Corporate India's past is filled with Shakespearean tragedies, including issues ranging from the absence of estate plans to poorly crafted ones. For instance, Dhirubhai Ambani, the late chairman of Reliance Group, deliberately did not leave a will behind as he felt that this way his two sons will remain united. The result was the opposite. Moreover, the Raymond family feud and the Hinduja brothers' property dispute stand as just a couple of instances among the countless others that highlight the immense significance of estate planning. These examples serve as stark reminders of the repercussions that can arise when individuals fail to prepare and safeguard their estates properly. Throughout this episode, we'll dig deeper into intricacies of estate planning uncovering its complexities and shedding light on the essential steps to protect what matters most. One thing I assure you, there are going to be many eye-opening revelations, from defining the concept of wealth to debunking the common inheritance challenges. My attempt is to present to you a comprehensive guide to everything you want to know about estate planning. All this, coming up on the other side. In wealth management, we
0: have a very different way of defining wealth. Because in wealth management, we say a person has or can have four types of wealth. First is human wealth. Human wealth are people in your life whom either you are converting into money or can convert into money. These could be your employees, these could be your family members and the most important human wealth you have is you yourself as a human being. Are you not converting yourself into money day in day out? So that's the first type of wealth. The second type of wealth which people have is called the financial wealth. A financial wealth is the wealth term wealth which you use in common parlance. All your real estate, all your financial assets, all of that constitutes your financial wealth. The third kind of wealth, which is becoming very very important today, it is called your intellectual wealth. Your mind being converted into money. Your mental faculties being converted into money. It could be some unique skill you have, some unique way of working you have developed, some unique knowledge you have, right? some unique process you have developed. All of that is your intellectual wealth. And the last kind of wealth which people have is their social wealth. Social wealth are their relationships being converted into money. These relationships could be with clients, with people in power, with a particular community, with manufacturers, with agents, advisors, Would you not like those relationships to be passed to the next generation? Because that is the source of wealth. That is what is being converted into money. You have a relationship with one finance. Should it not pass to your next generation? So why should I limit my wealth to only my financial wealth? When I am doing estate planning, when I am doing wealth transfer planning as I call it, it is about transferring all four of them, protecting all four of them and enhancing all four of them. Why should I limit myself only to the financial wealth protection, enhancement and transfer? Why not include the other three? Because most people, these other three would be much bigger than the financial wealth. And these other three are the source
1: of this financial wealth. So the first step to estate or inheritance or wealth transfer planning, howsoever you want to call it, is to know what you own. With a wider definition of wealth that Deepak shared, it is safe to say that our estate includes four types of assets really. First and second are easy to guess your physical and your financial assets. The third are all your digital assets, like mobile phone numbers, email IDs, website URLs, domain hostings, social media handles, credit card points, miles on an airline and so. And fourth are your intangible assets, things you cannot touch, your relationships, your trademarks, your royalties and so. Now
0: this, these are things which you own pre death The definition further says, anything which you will own post your death is also part of your estate. Now what are things which you might own after your death apart from an insurance policy claim which you already know. I'll just give you an example. Suppose you are travelling in that Malaysian aircraft that crashed and the government of Malaysia pays a claim of 5 crore rupees post your death. Who owns this 5 crore rupees? And if I ask most individuals, they would say my legal heirs. So my question would be who gave up his or her life for this money? Actually the deceased owns this money. Because it is an integral part of his, your estate and you can give away this money while you are alive. Money which you never ever know you will ever own is also part of your estate. And you can ask me how can I ever give away something which I never ever know I will ever own. So if you get your will made by a good lawyer, they always add a clause to the will which is called residual clause or the remainder clause. And this becomes the remainder and i have seen instances where remainder is bigger than the original so that is estate that is your estate and systematic way of transferring this estate to the next generation is estate planning and the ultimate goal of estate planning is to take care of the wishes of the individual who owns this estate
1: Now that i have a clear understanding of the concept of estate I suddenly feel significantly wealthier than before. Clearly, engaging a skilled estate planning expert could offer much deeper insights into crafting a comprehensive estate plan for our wealth. One valuable resource for locating such expertise is One Finance, which has a team of seasoned estate planners and qualified financial advisors. Nevertheless, the initial step in estate planning involves creating a comprehensive inventory of your assets. Remember that this list is not static, but dynamic as it will evolve with changes in your wealth, whether through acquisitions or losses. This then gets followed by the decision of what you want to do with your wealth. Would you like it to pass as it is to the next generation?
0: Would you convert them into another form and give it to them? So you need to decide what should happen to these assets of yours post your death. Once that is known that this is what I want to happen, Then find out what is the default, if I do nothing what will happen. Some things would automatically get transferred, you might not need action. But there will be certain things where default is not an option. Then you need to intervene through estate planning tools to ensure that what you need or you want actually happens with those assets. Another step which is very very important in estate planning is something called estate audit and for that an expert is required who can actually tell you what will happen to these assets what are the risks involved what will happen if you do nothing uh, how can you ensure a proper transfer of these assets and protection of these assets post your death so that's basically how you start estate planning
1: this looks like a comprehensive step by step approach step 1 know what you own step 2 decide what you want to do with your estate at the time of your death and step 3 do an estate audit. This takes me to a very basic doubt. Is estate planning only for the rich? Does it even make sense for most of us to even entertain the idea of inheritance planning?
0: So for that, uh, I ask some questions to people when they say estate planning is only for the rich. right? And I'll be asking the same questions to you. The first question is, do you want to retain control over your property while you are alive? All of us want to retain control of our property while we are alive. Why? Because this control of ours over our property ensures our financial security. If you do not want to end up on the road, never ever leave control over your property while you are alive. The second question which I need to ask you is, in case you are disabled or incapacitated, would you still like to take care of yourself and your loved ones, at least financially if not physically? I think all of us would like to do that. And the third and the most important question which I need to ask you is if you die today, would you like that your property only goes to people you want it to go? Only at the time you want it to go? Only in the manner and mode you want it to go? And only in the proportion and amount you want it to go? That means you not only want to keep control over your property while you are alive, you want to maintain that control even after you are dead. And the last question which I ask you is in case you die, would you like a easy and peaceful transfer of your wealth to your next generation? All of us would like to do that. So how many questions have you answered yes? I think all four of you. right? And if your answer to these four questions is yes, then you need estate planning. Very simple. Because Estate planning is the only way to ensure the answers to these four questions is yes for you and your next generation.
1: Deepak's thoughtful questions simplified and clarified the importance of having an estate plan, which applies not only to the affluent, but to all of us. And the first document that springs to mind naturally is the will. Will is basically a legal declaration of your intention, how your estate should be divided post your death. To gain insights into the legal intricacies of drafting a will, I engaged in a conversation with Pranjali Madnani, who has been an estate planner for nearly a decade. In our discussion, she broke down the entire will writing process into four straightforward simple steps.
2: As per Indian succession act, there are no particular requirements that you need to follow except one or two. So it can be written out on a simple A4 size piece of paper. And uh, you can write it in two lines uh, that I bequeath my property to so-and-so person. You have to sign it, and you have to have two witnesses to sign the uh, to you know uh, testify that you have uh, written your will in full access. That is the only requirement for uh, writing your will. But there can be a lot of mistakes, you know, uh, that you can commit while writing your will. So there are specific rules that we follow while writing a will, but these are not necessarily mandated or they are not a mandate under the Indian succession law. These are just very practical tips that we apply by writing your will. So uh, the first thing that you uh, do while writing your will is make a list of your assets. So you have to consolidate all the assets that you have. Then you have to decide who these assets are going to go to after your life. Okay. So you have to determine who the beneficiaries are going to be. This is the second step. The third step is to identify an executor for the will. An executor is a person who is responsible for carrying out the formalities when you pass away. Carrying out the formalities regarding your wishes. So who uh, the assets will go to, Okay, how the assets will go to, Uh, If a probate is required, the executor is going to apply for the probate. Uh, He is going to deal with all the banks, uh, the municipality, mutual fund houses, etc. So this is the role of the executor. Now, the Indian Succession Act does not mandate appointment of an executor. But if you don't have an executor, you definitely have to go to the court and the court will appoint one, you know, on its own so it's always better to appoint an executor while you're alive so this is the third step identifying the executor uh, another important uh, aspect that you have to keep in mind is if you have minor children children who are under 18 years of age then you can also appoint a guardian under the will so it's called a testamentary guardian it's not mandatory, of course, to appoint a guardian. But let's say if one passes away and then leave behind minor children, who's going to take care of them? Who's going to take care of their person and the property? Right? They are not old enough to manage all this on their own. And if you don't appoint a guardian, the court is going to appoint a guardian. So it's always better to appoint one on. The next step would be to draw up the will, of course. And for that, people usually take help of the lawyers or to CAs to you know, write a will which is not ambiguous, which is as simple as possible. It's not complicated enough. Then the last step will, will be to, to just print out your will and sign it. As we know that in India, a digital will is not accepted yet. The Information Technology Act, It allows digital signatures on a lot of documents, but it clearly specifies that wills and other uh, instruments of succession cannot be digitally signed or they are not accepted. Digital copies of these documents are not accepted. So, you have to take out a print of the will and sign. Now, the only thing that is mandated under Indian Succession Act is that the will should be signed by two witnesses, at least two witnesses, you can have three, four, as many, but at least two. You have to have them signed by two witnesses. If you want to register your will, you can go to the sub-registrar and register it. It's not mandatory. Again, only thing that registration does is that it provides more weight to the validity of the will. Okay, so you know that your executor and your heirs, they know that your will was signed by you uh, in full capacity of your senses. And that a government official, that is the sub-registrar, has seen you signing it. So a sub-registrar only acts as a witness from the side of the government to see that you have signed the will uh, without any coercion or influence. So this, in brief, is the process of writing your will. It's quite simple, it's not complicated. So we'll keep it as simple as possible.
1: Keep it as simple as possible. That is a valuable lesson. Keep the will free from any confusion. Provide precise and detailed descriptions of the items you intend to pass on. Avoid vague statements like, "as it to be distributed equally among my children, as differing interpretations of each item's value can lead to family disputes. Instead, accurately specify each item and designate the intended recipient by name. Organizing your possessions into categories will facilitate this process and help ensure that nothing of significance is overlooked. The fear of our own mortality can be unsettling, and the idea of our cherished ones potentially engaging in disputes over our possessions due to confusions can be equally distressing. Creating a will emerges as the most effective means to shield your loved ones from needless conflicts during an already trying period. Also, it offers the comfort of understanding the destiny of your assets. Even though the benefits of will writing are evident, we face many challenges in executing a will.
2: I see two major challenges. The first challenge is to uh, have a conversation around. Okay? To have a conversation with the family. And they find it difficult, frankly, because they feel that it's going to disturb the otherwise cordial family dynamic. Right? And it does happen. It does happen. So, this is the first challenge. The second challenge is that uh, people are not aware of the laws around succession. They are not aware of the laws around succession and they do not know how to go about this entire planning process. Okay? They uh, are indecisive as to who to give the property. Okay? They're quite indecisive and I feel that this leads to procrastination since a will is not like the inject you know, action item that they have to check. They keep procrastinating it. And unless, you know, they are really required to write it, they don't write it. So these are the two major challenges that I see. Have a third party as an advisor. Sometimes it helps in breaking the ice to have these conversations in the family. Okay sometimes you don't know how to talk to your family members because you don't know who's thinking what so if you have a third party who can do this job for you it's it'll be great i think it's a great idea
1: these conversations have been eye openers for me one thing however is clear when it comes to estate planning we need to think holistically covering all the nuances and details. Estate planning is not just about getting the documents in place. It is about getting the principles in place that matches the diseased core values and desires. Writing the rules of asset distribution to inheritors is an art. This makes it crucial for us to find an advisor we can trust. The one who not only has the knowledge, but also the well-intentioned foresight to be a guide, mentor and a friend. You can book a call with a qualified financial advisor at One Finance to smoothen the process of holistic estate planning. This takes me to the last question. What happens if you die without preparing a will? My assumption was that the wealth goes to the spouse in case of a married person. If not married, then it gets distributed equally to children or surviving parents. I went back to Deepak to look for an answer. And Deepak had some interesting revelations to share.
0: So, that that concept that everything goes to my spouse after my death is totally false. In India, the succession laws depend on the religion you follow. If you are a Hindu, your property would be divided as per the Hindu Succession Act 1956. If you are a Muslim, as per the Muslim Succession Act 1937. If you are a Christian, as per the Indian Succession Act 1925. If you are a Hindu male and you die without a will, who are your legal heirs? On the top, write the name of your mother if she is alive. Right? Below it, write the name of your spouse or wife if she is alive. Below it, write the name of all your children who are alive today. Doesn't matter they are son or daughter, major or minor, adopted or biological. Now, after that, if any of your child has passed away, leaving behind a child or spouse, who is alive today, write the name of that child also. Now count the total number of people you have written. Your wealth would be equally divided amongst all of them. That's the Hindu succession law 1956 for a Hindu male. And in no religion in India, spouse becomes the exclusive owner of the wealth post the death of the husband or vice versa. Or vice versa, husband doesn't become the exclusive owner. For a Hindu female, The legal heirs are her husband and children and children of dead children. Right? Each of them would get equal part. If you are a Muslim male and you die without a will, one-fourth of your wealth would go to your wife if she doesn't have children. If she has children, she'll have only one eighth. Each parent would have one-sixth of the wealth if they are alive. Now after dividing it between the wife and parents whatever is remaining goes to the sharers. Now who are the sharers? Each son will get double of the daughter. The remaining property would be divided in such way that each son gets double of the daughter. In case there are only sons, the remaining property would be equally divided among the sons. In case there are only daughters, they cannot have more than two-third of the entire wealth. The remaining one-third is again divided amongst the parents and the wife. In case there is only one daughter, she cannot have more than 50% of the wealth. Remaining wealth is divided among the parents and the wife. In case there are no children, brothers and sisters replace children. In Christians, one-third goes to the wife or husband because in Christian there is no difference between uh, male and female. So, one third goes to the spouse and two third is shared equally by the children. In case there are no children, half of it goes to the wife and remaining half goes to the father. In case father is not there, father's share is divided amongst mother, brother and sister equally. That half. Wife still gets half. So, in none of these laws, spouse gets everything after you die. So that basic concept that everything goes to my spouse is
1: wrong. Estate planning is a crucial element to ensure holistic financial planning. It's like drawing a map for the future. A blueprint to guide your legacy once you're no longer here to do so yourself. Unfortunately, it's an aspect that gets overlooked or pushed aside for another day. We tell ourselves, I'll get to it eventually, only to find that the days turn into weeks and the weeks into years. But we must confront the truth. Estate planning, though daunting, cannot be neglected without consequences. When left unaddressed or handled inadequately, it can give rise to painful family disputes, tearing apart the very bonds we worked so hard to build. Most people would like to leave an inheritance but actually leave a mess behind them. Don't leave a mess, make your death beautiful. Every decision you make today lays the foundation for the legacy you'll leave behind. The question remains, will you leave an inheritance or a mess the decision is yours and that's a wrap for today's episode if you found these revelations useful then share this episode with your network and help us spread the message this is temperament by one finance produced by wine studio and i'm your host ashish shabla investment in securities market are subject to market risks read all related documents carefully before investing the securities quoted are for illustration only and are not recommendatory.